Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McInniff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving, where we give you information and education about senior care topics. My name is Ryan McIniff. I am the owner of Minute Women Home Care. We are a private home care agency in Lexington, Massachusetts. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Twitter at FreedivingCEO, at FreedivingCEO. Now, you might say, what is a freediving CEO? Well, I like to go fishing and I like to go diving and I go spear fishing. So that's why I have a handle that says free diving CEO. So if you want to find me, you can, we can connect. I talk, I retweet, I type, I guess I should say I don't talk. I talk here. I type about senior care issues and I love to connect and I would love to connect with you. So you can find me on Twitter if you're interested in that, or you can go to our website, mwhomecare.com. But I don't know if that's going to help you out that much because it is a brochure website for our senior care services in private home care. But with that being said, what I wanted to talk about today is about hospitals. And a big concern that I have right now because of what is going on with COVID is that hospitals, as we all should know by now, are financially in trouble. And there was an interesting article on Modern Healthcare that came out earlier this week that talks about how financially devastated hospitals and health systems face an uncertain future. And the CEO, Jeff James of Wilmington Health, um, basically said that once they stop performing elective procedures in mid-March, providers of all types and sizes liken their revenue trajectory to a car going off a cliff. The damage came swiftly and even their best cost-cutting efforts and billions in government aid weren't enough to help stop the bleeding, weren't enough to stop the bleeding. Um, You know, basically he says that he anticipates a $25 million revenue decline over the months of April, May, and June. Actually, that is a different CEO of Olmstead Medical Center, but it still reinforces the fact that Hospitals and and surgery centers are and medical centers are seeing major decreases in their revenue because nobody's going in for um, elected procedures. And what was news to me, as well as I'm guessing most people outside of the hospital infrastructure, is how reliant they were on those procedures, those elective procedures, to keep the lights on. Um, the American Hospital Association reports that um, from March 1st to June 30th, so just a, a few months, four or five months, they, that hospitals are going to see a $202 billion um, loss because of COVID-19. So it is a massive, massive problem. And, uh, and that CEO, um, Jeff, James, Jeff James, goes on to say um, in, a, in a quote that though they were given grant funds um, from the CARES Act that came out recently, the, the law, uh, it came out to about $12,000 per physician, which sounds like a lot of money, but he is quoted saying $12,000 per doctor is literally nothing. Um, it doesn't come close to covering the overhead that they, they need. And the reason I wanted to mention this is because one, it should be known that these hospitals are in, in, in real serious 
trouble. And I think one of the concerns that I have, and I think what we're going to see because of this, is unfortunately we're going to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Um, I am sure that there are some of those big companies that are looking at uh, smaller community hospitals and looking at a way to scoop them up now that they're in financial distress. Um, you know, you're you're talking about in the last year, few years, ACOs called accountable care organizations, where they're they're basically a, a medical system made up of of, of specific uh, services that they they provide care to the the real risk based individuals, and and those ACOs were meant to be able to um, reduce those readmissions. They were supposed to be there to save save costs. Um, on Medicare and Medicaid, their job was going to be um, working together as an organization of out, you know, uh, separate organizations working together under this accountable care organization to provide good quality care, reducing readmissions, reducing hospitalizations, and saving money and in the long term for the government while also being able to provide them with quite a bit of, of, of a revenue stream because of the customers that they're going to be having. And even in this article, they're saying that 56% of risk-bearing ACOs in a survey released in April saying that they were very or somewhat likely to drop out of the Medicare program by the end of May because... There's no money in it. They're, 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 there's, there's, they're, they're running out of cash, and they can't keep, can't keep doing what they're doing because of the pandemic. Um, you know, these 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 um, providers entered into it thinking that this was going to be a money maker, and now it's it's not making money because all the money is is going out the the door because there's no clients and there's no there's no business. So. The concern that I have when you're reading things like the four largest publicly traded hospital chains saw their their share values drop 33% within a few months um, is that this is going to be ripe for mergers and acquisitions. And generally in a capitalistic society, we want more players. The more players means there's more choices for for customers, means that there's, in theory, um, the the businesses have to up their game and provide their services at a fair price providing good quality service and so the less um, the less competitors you have the the more likely that there's going to be a decrease in the quality of the service or product you're getting while also the price can go up or the profit margin goes up and so you know we've seen this in the Boston area where basically Beth um, Israel and partners healthcare have been having uh, an acquisition war over the last three or four years as Partners has become um, certainly the biggest hospital um, company in the in the area um, with some of their mergers and acquisitions. And Beth Israel felt that they needed to um, buy up Leahy Health, which was a pretty large hospital in Burlington and in some other some other areas um, to be able to compete with with Partners. And so you do have still some community hospitals that are eking along. And I'm sure right now they're sitting there with with uh, uh, cash reserves that are being depleted quickly because they can't do elective surgeries. And the only way for that hospital to survive 
would likely to be sold to a larger company. And so I think what we've we've seen with pharmacies where Walgreens and CVS has been very quietly reaching out to regional pharmacies and local pharmacies that they want to buy up so that they can get more market share because they're cash rich and they can weather this storm far better than a, a local company. That would be the the case that I think is going to happen with hospitals. And that's not exactly the greatest thing in the world for uh, being able to have uh, patient choice, um, being able to have the the again the the competition between hospitals and between service providers. That hey, if there's only one place to to go and it's owned by the same company, or there's only five places to go but it's all owned by the same company, you're going to be in the system whether you like it or not. And I've certainly done podcasts before in the past where these these buildings, these hospitals, always talk about patient choice. Patient choice is everything, and then. It's no longer patient choice anymore when they have all the services under their umbrella of um, services. So then all of a sudden they own the hospital, they own the nursing home, and they own the, the home care companies. And all of a sudden they keep them under the umbrella of, of, of services and they cut out everybody else, which I understand because we're in a capitalistic society. But don't feed me the, the spoonful of, of BS that you believe in patient choice when the second you have a monopoly on services no longer are you spouting patient choice. And so this is an uh, opportunity for large hospitals to get even bigger. The Amazon of the world, the Amazon of hospitals to become even more dominant. And that is a good thing. It brings some good things because obviously they can keep community hospitals open and can keep you know suburb suburban families able to go to a local hospital um, open. But if you want choice in your provider, you're not going to get that because those mergers and acquisitions are coming. And it is more and more likely that they're going to happen. And unfortunately, in the flyover states, as they call them, where there's one hospital for a 100-mile radius, they're going to be really in trouble because the big companies aren't interested in buying that hospital because the profit margin probably wasn't there to begin with. And now that they're cash poor and they don't have the cash reserves to stay open because elective surgeries are no longer occurring, those community hospitals are likely to close. And that's a big problem for those rural areas in between the coasts that they don't have the density of, of population to support a number of different hospitals. I mean, just in, in the greater Boston area, you have dozens of hospitals for people to choose from. Now, you start going out to Western Mass, there's less choice because there's less population. And so if you start going out to you know Ohio, or you start going out to uh, Minnesota, or you start going out to, to Wyoming, where people are spread out over hundreds of miles, there's only one hospital to service all of those people. And we've talked about that in other podcasts on how before COVID-19, they were going out of business because there just wasn't enough business for them. And the people that needed them the most were driving 50, 100 miles to get dialysis, to get life-saving treatments. But you know, it was becoming a bigger and bigger problem because these community hospitals were closing. So like anything in this world, there's pros and there's pros and cons of things, but there's certainly something to be concerned about when there is an opportunity for these large conglomerate 
uh, corporations and hospitals that are able to basically print money, that are able to weather this storm, and they can look at community hospitals and say, hey, listen, we can scoop up a bunch of people and get some uh, acquisitions here that in another year or two, we're going to be thankful we did this because now we have even bigger market share. And then that makes any other hospital systems that are smaller than us have to consider what they're going to do for the future. And it makes it much more likely that that hospital system is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and scoop up all the other hospital systems or businesses in the area. So it's, uh, it's the way that Capitalism works. I understand that, but it's also a, uh, at a point where you say to say, "Hey, listen, how big is big enough?" And we're seeing that talk about Amazon right now, where you know Jeff Bezos is looking at becoming the first trillionaire in the next twenty years or so, next ten or fifteen years maybe, um, because he's been able to make a, a, a re- online retailer that is just dominating everything. And while that's great that you can get any widget and doodad online at Amazon at some point in time, you know, they're the monopoly and they're the only place that you can go for those those services um, or those products. And we're likely going to see that happen with hospitals because they're so financially strapped because basically their whole revenue source just went away overnight that they're going to have to figure out ways to be able to survive. And if the government's not paying them enough money or giving them enough funds to survive, the only alternative to completely closing and laying everybody off is to be acquired by a larger company. And at the very least, that's a good thing for all those employees because they get to keep their jobs and the hospital stays open, but it ruins patient choice, which has been one of the hallmarks to uh, to to patients and to consumers saying you have a choice here and that choice gets limited the the bigger and bigger these hospitals get so anyways I wanted to make this uh, podcast about that it's a it's a good um, article that I, I recommend uh, by Tara Bananow, Bananow, um financially devastated hospitals and health care health systems face an uncertain future on modernhealthcare.com anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Caregivers Podcast. I wish you health, I wish you safety, and we will catch you on the